Hello and welcome to the Forge Church Catch-Up Podcast. We're delighted that you've chosen to press play on this podcast today. My name is Johnny and I'm part of the teaching team here at the Forge. Each Sunday, our hope and prayer is to provide practical teaching directed by God that ties into everyday life. We hope that today's talk encourages you. A few years ago, Johnny Abbott, Sam, my son, and I went to play a round of golf together. Now, I love golf, even though I'm not very good at it. And so we teed off, but it wasn't long before Johnny and I realised that things weren't going as well for Sam as he'd hoped. Now, he started stomping around. He was swinging his clubs into the ground in frustration and muttering under his breath. Occasionally, he'd shout out in frustration too. And I tried to cheer him up, but he was having none of it. He wouldn't talk. His face was as black as thunder. And he was so angry and in such a foul mood. And I think it got to about hole number 12 when I finally lost patience with him. Look, if you don't snap out of your mood and if you carry on as you are, we are going home now. But if you choose to lighten up and be more positive, I'll buy us all an Indian on the way home. And suddenly a miracle took place. It wasn't the miracle of Medina, but Sam suddenly changed. The threat of going home and the offer of an Indian transformed him from an angry young man to a very sociable, amenable person. And for 10 holes or more, Sam allowed his emotions to control him. And to be honest, it wasn't very pleasant. But, you know, we've played many times since and he, like all golfers, will get frustrated and cross. But anger hasn't been the dominant expression since, which, to be honest, is a relief. We're into the final week of this series called You're Not the Boss of Me. And we're looking at how to say no to the emotions that compete for control. Because, you see, when our emotions take control, things get out of control. That's that's true with guilt, with envy and today's emotion, anger. And nobody wants anger to be the boss of them. You know, we don't because it's so hard to experience peace when we're angry. It requires so much energy. And those around us definitely don't want anger to be the boss of us. And not just because of a kind of the anger of verbal attack or acts of anger. You know, we may never raise our voice or lose our temper, but we can still be scary because our moodiness and silence are controlling and manipulative. You know, whether we shut people down or whether we shut them out, anger is a bad boss. Unless, of course, it's a cause-based anger. I mean, this anger stirs people to stand up and act against injustice and evil. I mean, I remember last summer when England were playing the West Indies in a test match and the start was delayed through rain. 
And uh, one of Sky's presenters, Ian Ward, was talking to Michael Holding, the Jamaican commentator who used to be a very fast bowler for the West Indies when he was younger. And their discussion was about racism and Black Lives Matter because it was only a short while after George Floyd had died at the hands of the US State Police. Michael Holding spoke incredibly passionately and eloquently about the injustices against the black and Bain communities. And he was angry at the lack of education around black history, about racism and the lack of recognition of black inventors and others who had played key roles in society. And as soon as the interview went out on Sky, the French footballer Thierry Henry contacted Michael Holding and many other sports uh, characters did too in support, many of them having faced terrible racism and injustice themselves. And Michael Holding has now written a book called Why We Kneel and How We Rise, addressing these issues and giving a positive way forward. Now you see this anger, anger against injustice and racism, stands in contrast to the anger that we're going to be talking about today. The anger that's destructive, that eats away inside of us, that fights for getting our way. The anger that explodes and manipulates and hurts and damages us and others. You know, when Alice, my daughter, was very little, my mum and dad took her for a walk at an event called Spring Harvest. And as they wandered around the kind of the shopping area, Alice saw something she wanted, but she wasn't allowed to have. And so she had this meltdown right in the middle of this big walkway. And she cried and screamed and fought and passing people stared as Alice sat in the middle of this walkway, refusing to get up. And my poor mum and dad just had to wait until she was eventually calmed down and that they could then carry on. Now, why did Alice have such a strop and get so angry? Well, it's because she couldn't have what she wanted. Now, as we grow older, we stop doing that. Well, kind of hopefully we do. But one of the root causes to our anger still comes back to the same issue as Alice. We don't get what we want. We don't get our way. And that's frustrating and it's hard to take. So a man called James, who was the church leader in Jerusalem and the brother of Jesus, wrote down some incredibly helpful things around this. He writes this. Are there any of you who are wise and understanding? Well, that's a challenging question to start with. You see, a wise person has insight. They, they understand life is connected and they keep things in perspective. So how can we know if we're wise and understanding? Well, he goes on to explain. You are to prove it by your good life, by your good deeds, performed with humility and wisdom. In other words, wise people are always humble. They don't think too highly of themselves. I mean, just think, who's the wisest person you know? Now, whoever it is, part of their wisdom comes from their humility of putting others and other people's needs first. And that's because wisdom isn't found in puffing ourselves up, making ourselves look great or fighting to get our own way. Wisdom's about seeing a bigger picture than me and just what I want. And James then becomes quite blunt. He says, but if in your hearts you're jealous, bitter and selfish, in other words, if you let this stuff live here in your heart, unattended, undealt with, it's going to be a problem and it's going to get messy. He says, don't sin against the truth by boasting of your wisdom. Because you see, you can't be jealous, bitter and selfish and wise. They declare any hope of wisdom null and void. 
And so James continues, he says, where there is jealousy and selfishness, there's also disorder and every kind of evil. Why? Well, it's because what's on the inside comes out and it's not always going to be very pleasant. Jealousy and selfishness always brings disorder and results in anger. And James is telling us how to keep anger from lodging in our hearts and becoming the boss of us through asking this really discerning question. He asks, where do all the fights and quarrels among you come from? What, in other words, what causes all this anger in you? And our immediate response is to pin it onto someone. <laughs> it's my mother. She drives me crazy with her criticism. Or it's my ex. He is totally unreasonable and manipulates to get his own way over everything. Or it's my boss or my son or my neighbour. The where is a who. <laughs> and as long as we think it's a who, we'll never get to the real issue. Because James answers the question himself. He says this, they come from your desires for pleasure, which are constantly fighting within you. Whoa, hang on, James, you don't understand. The reason I get angry is because she is so unreasonable or he's arrogant and always pushes for what he wants. You know, this is their issue that I have to deal with. And James is saying, as long as you think the source is out there, you're never going to deal with it. What James is saying is a life changing insight. Because in any relationship, if both parties can embrace this, anger will never be the boss of us. See, let's read the verse again. Where does this anger come from? They come from your desires for pleasure, which are constantly fighting within you. We fight and quarrel because we're not getting something that we want or desire. Now, kind of, that's a kind of an ouch because it sounds very much like Alice in that shopping uh, precinct, you know, having a strop for not getting her way. And we're much more mature than that, aren't we? Well, we like to think so. And James is saying that we don't change very much from when we're young. And if James was here today, we would we would argue with him about our anger because we'd say, but I earned it. And he would say, right, you're not getting what you earned, which means you're not getting what you want. But James, they promised. And James would say, right, you're not getting what you're promised. Yeah, well, you're not getting what you want. But but what they did wasn't fair, James. And he would say you wanted to be treated fairly and you weren't. So you're not getting what you want. And if you can pause in the moment when the anger is rising to acknowledge this and recognise that part of the problem is mine, it is liberating. You want things, but you can't have them, James says, so you're ready to kill. James points this out. It is, if we don't recognise that the source of our anger is in here, not out there, we have the potential to take things uh, to unhealthy and even destructive extremes. Because what's behind murder? Well, somebody wants something. He goes on, you strongly desire things, but you cannot get them so that you quarrel and fight. You see, when did you last feel angry? What was the scenario? What was happening? Almost certainly you weren't getting your own way. You weren't getting something that you wanted. Now, should we be upset when we don't get what we want? Well, sometimes, yes. Sometimes the other person isn't keeping a promise, isn't being fair, is manipulating the situation. But when we own our part of the argument, you know, it brings the temperature down. Andy Stanley, the North Point uh, church leader and speaker, um, 
uh, that this series is based on one of the series that he created. He recommends saying this when in an argument. You know what part of the problem is, don't you? I'm not getting what I want. Now, I've encouraged Sarah to say this when we have a disagreement, but, but so far she's declined, which, no, I'm only joking, but there is some truth in it. Part of the problem is that I'm not getting what I want and we need to recognise it for what it is. So what's your relationship with anger? Does it boss you about? Does it control your mouth or your mood? If so, are you ready to put an end to it? And the way to do that is to go the way of wisdom and humble yourself and face a very difficult fact that part of the problem is that we're not getting our way. And when you feel it rising up, you need to tell it, anger, you're not the boss of me. I'm on to you. You want me to think it's all about them, but it's not. Part of the problem is that I'm not getting what I want. I'm owning my piece of the pie. Hmm. Hey, and if you're a Jesus follower, you already have a boss of you. He's a boss who didn't always get his way either. You know, you have a boss who said no to what he wanted so that we could get what we needed most. And Paul says this about Jesus. He says, who being in very nature God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. And Paul spells out how to live this out as his followers. And he says this in a, a couple of verses earlier. In your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Now, it's okay not to get everything we want or deserve. In fact, it's better to not get everything that we want or deserve if that's what stops anger from being the boss of us. And one reason that following Jesus is just so good is that he nudges us away from self-centeredness and arrogance and towards other-centeredness and humility that results in a bigger and a better life and one that does not allow anger to be the boss of me. Hey, let me pray. Father, would you forgive us when we've allowed anger to be the boss of us? You know, those times when it's bubbled up from within and we've said things that we've later regretted and done things that might have hurt or frightened others. Lord, we acknowledge that we've been part of the problem because we haven't got our own way and so we've, re we've responded poorly. Jesus, we... We can't solve this on our own. We need your power, your spirit at work in us to change us, to help us own our piece of the problem. And please, would you give us the same mindset of, as, of yourself, of humility, and of being willing to give up fighting for what we want and to become others-centered instead. Jesus, we invite you again to be the boss of me. In Jesus' name. That's all for this week. Thanks once again for joining us. We'd love to keep the conversation going, so why not check out Forge Church UK on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram? Or go online at forgechurch.com where you can watch other content, find a next step, give financially, or see any details of what's currently going on in and around the Forge. We're looking forward to you joining us next time.